Hi, Gracia. Hi, Anand. Uh, so today my guest is Maria Gracia Speranza. She's a full professor of operations research at the University of Brescia in Italy, where she served as Dean of the Faculty of Economics and Business and as Deputy Rector. Uh, she's a former president of EURO, which is the Association of European Operational Research Societies. And she was also president of TSL, which is the Transportation Science and Logistics Society of, of INFORMS. As Euro president, she founded the Euro Journal of Transportation and Logistics, the Euro Journal of Computation Optimization, and the Euro Journal of Decision Processes. She's currently the president of IFORS, which is the International Federation of the Operational Research Societies. Gracias' research on, focuses on mixed integer programming and combinatorial optimization with applications to transportation, supply chain management, scheduling, and portfolio selection. She's author of about 200 papers that appeared in international journals and volumes. And she's currently the co-editor-in-chief of the series of books, Euro Advanced Tutorials in Operations Research. In 2017, Grazia has been selected as one of the best 100 Italian women in the STEM area. And in 2019, she was awarded the Laurea Honoris Causa by the University of Freiburg in Switzerland. So, Gracia, I am very honored to have you here. I'm really happy that you accepted the invitation. Grazie mille, thank you so much. How are you? Fine, thank you so much for the invitation. I'm really honored to be here. You're becoming famous uh, through these interviews and I would never miss uh, this. The reason. <laughs> <laughs> You're very kind, thank you. So, uh, Grazia, uh, for those uh, who don't know, uh, Speranza, uh, means hope. We have a similar word in Portuguese, esperança, which also means hope. Uh, do you think this name reflects your personality? There is probably some connection, indeed. Uh, um, in the positive way, I look ahead. Uh, I always try to see the good sides of what happens, and uh, I always uh, look forward, never backward. Right. <laughs> so, where uh, do you originally come from in Italy? I come from, uh, I come from uh, um, a village close to Bergamo. Bergamo is in the north of Italy and uh, not far from Milan. And, uh, well, it was a very tiny village uh, on the mountains. Bergamo is a, is a lovely town uh, with, uh, um, surrounded by mountains. And um, I think the village had a sort of 1,000 inhabitants or something. And um, the village where my house was and where I lived uh, until the age of 14 uh, was built around uh, the factory. And uh, at kindergarten, we received gifts from the owner of the factory. So all the people in the village were working for the, for, for the same factory. and. Um, and uh, there is the origin of, uh, of my, of my, well, the, where, it is where I spent my, my first 14 years uh, with my family. Right. Um, and how was your life uh, when you were growing up in the village? Well, I felt, I felt um, 
I was uh, a privileged kid because uh, my cousin, my father had uh, a good position in the factory while uh, most of my friends uh, were, um, their parents were, were workers in, in, in the factory. Um, and um, and uh, well, it was a very simple life. Um, there was not much to do. And, uh, and um, that was also the reason why I probably started loving books uh, so much. Mm. Uh, and uh, the books were my company. Uh, through the books, uh, I lived uh, adventures uh, and uh, I spent hours and hours reading. Um, we had a beautiful garden. Mm -hmm. uh, there were different um, trees and I loved uh, the apple tree. Uh, and uh, on the apple tree, I really spent uh, all these hours reading my books uh, of adventures. And, uh, and that was uh, really lovely. Right. So you were on the apple tree reading and maybe uh, that were your first steps on branching? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were, there were, in fact, uh, there was, uh, you know, a main branch and then the branch uh, um, divided uh, in two sub-branches. Oh. So that was the perfect place to sit for me. Wow. This <laughs> was where I, I, I spent my time. Yeah, so you're already <laughs> familiar with branch and bomb <laughs> at a very young age. I didn't know, but probably. Yeah. You, you told me also that uh, you worked as a volunteer in a library uh, to have access to books more easily. Yes, um, we had books at home. My father was a good reader, but I, I was so greedy. I really, I really never had enough of books. Mm -hmm. So in a, a volunteer in the library gave me access to, to books. And since uh, we didn't have many visitors, also the time I spent at the library uh, was, was a really time I used to read. Mm -hmm. uh, so the book is really, is still the object uh, that uh, gives me more, more, more pleasure, more than anything else. Mm -hmm. uh, I love to be surrounded by books. By books, uh, I really love it. Yeah, you you seem to be uh, really inspired by your uh, father. Um, apparently, he had a, a tough uh, period in his life, right? Um, yeah. Yes. Uh, well. Uh, in the family of my father, uh, in each generation, one um, boy became a priest. Oh. So my father uh, spent uh, a few years uh, in, a, in a seminar, it was called. It's the place where uh, boys are educated to become priests. So that was already difficult for him. At some point, uh, he decided uh, it was not uh, his life. And uh, and then uh, and then uh, he was involved in uh, the Second uh, World War, um, and uh, when the Germans uh, uh, called uh, uh, all the um, young boys uh, uh, living in, in the village where my father was living, uh, they called them to to become soldiers. Uh, my father did not present himself to the offices, whatever, the places where they were invited to go to become soldiers and to join the, the German, the Germans. Um, 
Then, then uh, he was captured by the Germans and um, taken to a working camp uh, in Poland. Oh. From which, at the end of the war, he walked to Italy. He walked back to Italy on foot. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's impressive. My father was, a, I would say, an intellectual and um, a quite, um, how to say, um, I don't want to say cold, but uh, a strong person. Mm -hmm. And uh, I saw when when uh, he talked about the war, I saw a couple of times tears in his eyes, which I never saw oh, yeah, yeah. in other situations. Yeah. He influenced you to pursue uh, the classical studies uh, option in high school, correct? Yes, uh, he believed uh, that uh, uh, humanities uh, were um, the direction to open the mind and to prepare a person to all kinds of studies at the university. So he strongly suggested me to, to choose uh, that direction. So I studied uh, Greek and Latin and very little math. Uh, the, the classical Lyceum in, in, uh, in Italy was now a bit less, but uh, in my times uh, was really oriented to um, Greek, Latin and Italian and then additional things, but very little math and uh, little physics, uh, little sciences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're talking about early 70s, early mid 70s. Yeah. Early 70s, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, but you, you excel in math, right? Yeah, I was the best, but at that time, you know, I thought, well, my roommates are so bad. Uh, it is not that I'm good. They are bad. <laughs> These are people. But uh, my professor, my teacher, um, probably understood. I remember during uh, an oral exam, um, he told me, you should study more. I know that I give you, if I give you enough time to prove this theorem, you will find the proof yourself. But you should study, you know. <laughs> So uh, I think he saw there was something in me. So he really encouraged me to to um, pursue the, the uh, a career, especially to go to university to study. Uh, in, in fact, he tried to convince me to study physics. Uh, mm -hmm. He believed uh, that in physics uh, uh, I had more opportunities uh, uh, from the professional point of view. But I love math more, so uh, I decided to 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 study math and uh, he helped me during the summer. Um, he gave me books uh, in math uh, uh, because I didn't know anything. Almost uh, I didn't even know what a function was, uh, not to say about uh, the properties of a curve of any kind, so, uh, a limit uh, or anything. So during the summer I studied a bit by myself. Wow. And where did you study? Uh, the, I mean, the university degree, <coughs> the bachelor's. It was in Milan, I studied in Milan, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, it was a four-year four year course, um, and I remember the exams were not many, but it was really, really tough. Each exam was really challenging, and uh, the pass rate uh, was very, very low, often it was 10%, and so I remember some of my friends failing an exam over and over and over again and abandoning university because, because it was really mm -hmm. difficult. 
Yeah. Uh, at that time, uh, the system was different. Can you explain more about that? Yes. Um, uh, until uh, 2001, in Italy, we had uh, four years uh, courses, almost for all kinds of directions, uh, with the exception of engineering and medicine. And, um, and there was no master. It was really, it was really a complete course with a very small number of uh, graduates, uh, probably because it was really challenging. So um, more than 50% of the students abandoned uh, the university after an attempt to, to finish. So between the first and the second year, um, more than half of the students abandoned the university. And, um, and the time to finish, uh, uh, to graduate, uh, was much longer. Uh, average was around six years uh, for a four years course for those who survived. Nice. Um, so it was it was really really tough. Yeah, and then and then in two thousand one we had uh, the Bologna Agreement, uh, and then uh, Italy was one of the first countries uh, in Europe to uh, move uh, from the old system to the three plus two system, and um, and uh, in in Italy people. Uh, People, my colleagues, uh, uh, say and believe that the three plus two that we have now gives uh, a lower level preparation than the four, the old four-year four-year course. Oh. Um, yeah, because it, it's a different organization uh, to 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 have students uh, with a degree after three years. We have cut the content. Uh, and also the problem was, uh, was that the real time was not four years, was six years. Mm. So to have, uh, to have students uh, uh, graduating in three years, uh, we had to reduce the program and to make things uh, um, simpler. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that most of the Italian professors believe uh, that uh, um, the old laurea were um, better, better in the sense that uh, we're uh, preparing a student better uh, than than uh, the present three plus two. I think I assume most courses were in Italian, and uh, even the books were all uh, written in Italian. But uh, some courses in our field require uh, references in English. I don't know if you had any type of experience uh, regarding this aspect. Yes, well, um, I had French at school. Uh, uh, at that time, uh, it was very rare that uh, English was uh, thought as a foreign language. Uh, most uh, of, uh, of schools uh, um, had uh, French as a foreign language. And uh, so I never had uh, English and uh, all the books were in Italian, with the exception at the university of uh, the course of uh, statistics. And uh, the professor chose a book in English. And I had to study to prepare the exam on this book without knowing a single word of English. So I translated the book word by word. And since I have a very bad memory I remember how frustrating it was on page 10, still looking for the meaning of moreover <laughs> or then or whatever. So frustrating, so frustrating. 
So, but that's not the exam. <laughs> oh. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, so you took four years in your case, I suppose. Uh, yeah, you're probably a very bright student. Uh, but what about the first contact with OR? When that happened? It came after because I studied um, many courses in pure math and only the fourth year I chose the major in applied math and then uh, I had uh, computer programming and uh, I had uh, numerical analysis and uh, statistics uh, was an applied uh, math course and uh, but not really a, a, an OR course at university at, uh, in those four years. Uh, but then I, I took um, an additional, at that time the PhD did not exist in Italy. There was no PhD program. Oh. Um, and so there were, in Italian, they were called Scuole di Perfezionamento. Mm -hmm. uh, these were two, three years uh, long schools uh, preparing, um, I would say, yeah, to, to, to the academic career. Uh, so I took one of those uh, courses uh, in applied math, and uh, there, there, that was the first time that I really heard about uh, um, OR and uh, optimization and uh, mathematical programming, and uh, mm -hmm. so that was the first, uh, the first uh, time. Mm -hmm. So, did you do any type of research? You had to write a dissertation to get a degree. Yeah, uh, both at the end of uh, of the laurea for for um, for the graduation, uh, dissertation was 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 needed. Uh, it was not like a PhD dissertation, but it was something relevant, not really simple. Mm -hmm. And also at the end of this uh, scuola di perfezionamento, and uh, and um, already at that point, um, what what I sort of. Uh, went in depth with uh, was combinatorial optimization and uh, algorithms. Uh, I, I worked on a heuristic branch and bound uh, coming from a paper from uh, Richard Karp. So ah. it was the first, uh, the first attempt to, do, to contribute to combinatorial optimization solution methods. Nice. But did you attend any conferences uh, during that period? Oh, yes, I do remember my first conference. Uh, it was another interesting experience and um, it shows how I would say sometimes uh, courageous I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not afraid of challenges because um, because I think it was in 81 or something. I didn't know English at all at that time because uh, the translation of the book of statistics uh, uh, was not really enough to learn the language. So I had learned a few words, <laughs> uh, probably. Then, moreover, at the end of the book, probably, <laughs> uh, but not much more. Um, but my professor, my supervisor, uh, sent me to England, uh, to in fact, not to England, to UK, uh, to Durham. And um, I didn't know English, and uh, I went. Uh, I had to fly by myself. Uh, there was n nobody else I knew, uh, so I took. I had the flight, and then uh, and then uh, I had to take a train and a bus. And now I can't even understand how I managed to reach the destination without knowing the language. So I don't know. I got there, and um, 
And I don't know how much I understood of the conference. Probably by that time I had read some books, so I could really, but I couldn't uh, have a conversation. I just, I just became very good friend of a Portuguese uh, colleague because he could speak Italian. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we, we became very good friends and uh, he helped me survive during this conference, <laughs> explaining what to do. You actually finally collaborated with this guy recently, correct? Only, only on the first paper, uh, because he's really in, um, he's not really in OR, he's more in transportation planning. Mm. Uh, so for many, for many years, uh, he kept telling me we should have a paper together, uh, but we never find the subject because we were working really different directions. But, um, but I think uh, this year or last year, our first paper was published uh, in uh, transportation, uh, transportation research part C, I think. Wow. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. I'm very proud of it. Very happy to. <laughs> yeah, that is, uh, that is nice to celebrate the uh, friendship, you know, anniversary of 40 years. <laughs> True. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> and uh, you, of course, you did not present anything there, I assume? Uh, no, I, I could not. I could not. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, what was the conference about? Scheduling, deterministic and stochastic scheduling, and it was uh, organized by by at least uh, well three famous guys, but especially two of them were really outstanding: uh, Jan Karen Lenstra and um, Alexander Reynold Kahn. Yeah. And the third was Antonisse, and um, and I knew their names uh, because uh, I had started reading uh, papers. Uh, um, but it was really um, important to me to to get in touch with uh, with this community to uh, to listen to the talks to to see how uh, the speakers were challenged. It was a huge conference. It was uh, really big. I remember I can't say how many participants, but it was really big. And in those years, uh, Alexander and Yanka and Yankara were really driving uh, the, the community uh, on combinatorial optimization uh, also through the organization of, uh, of these conferences. Mm. Yes. Uh, so I think this experience uh, really uh, had an impact on you. Maybe that gave you a boost and some extra motivation to, to learn the language and uh, improve uh, your English and uh, when you actually presented for the first time then in a conference? Yes, uh, when I, when I uh, came back to, to Italy from, from uh, Durham, I decided it was time to seriously study English and, uh, and then I studied. And in fact, just, uh, just shortly after in 82 in Garniano, um, uh, we, I mean, uh, the, the OR community from Milan, uh, organized uh, a very big and important conference uh, on uh, deterministic and stochastic optimization. And uh, um, there were big names, all the big names uh, in optimization, both deterministic and stochastic, and uh, Jan Kalle was there, and Alexander, and Jim Lawler, wow. and uh, uh, Colin McDermott, uh, and Vashek Vatal. I became a good friend with him, and uh, he was an amazing person. <laughs> Plain, plain uh, 
uh, backgammon on all the time with uh, Dorit uh, Hochbaum. <laughs> um, and, um, and there I presented my first paper. And uh, I mean, I was uh, the junior, very junior researcher among all these giants. Uh, and uh, I pretended to be, you know, self-confident, <laughs> which I was not. I, I tried to speak, I tried my talk in my room, I don't know how many times, calculating the time I had, I don't remember, 20 minutes or so, and I tried so many times uh, the words and everything. But yes, it was it was my first time uh, there, and I managed somehow. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a very similar experience, and in that case, you were the giant. Uh, <laughs> there, I, I will can go back to uh, to that later. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, you you had now this uh, very good experience. I think you succeeded in in presenting, and uh, you probably concluded uh, that sort of a PhD. Uh, in maybe in the early 80s and then you found a position correct yes uh, in Milan mm -hmm. I became uh, assistant professor of operations research in Milan uh, at the computer science department and um, and uh, in fact uh, I started uh, um, appreciating I would say the um, richness uh, of operations research because it has a deep uh, mathematical root but also uh, it is very strongly related uh, to computer science and programming so I really uh, enjoyed uh, uh, this, this applied math uh, so, so related to so many things to applications, uh, to theory um, to computer science, uh, um, and uh, I never regretted uh, that I chose this direction. Mm -hmm. Were you coding at that time? Yes, of course, of course, um, uh, in Fortran. Mm -hmm. Well, at the university, in fact, uh, I, I in, in the course on computer programming, I learned uh, a little bit of assembler and uh, these things, but uh, then Fortran at that time was the language uh, for scientific programming. Mm -hmm. So, punch cards, I, all those things. Sorry, punch cards and all those things. Yeah, yes, of course. And I remember this pile of cards, and the first card on top that you had to put into the machine, which should read the cards. The first was often. Um, uh, ruined by the machine, so you had to retype <laughs> the card over and over because of this problem. To, to have uh, your pile read, you had to retype uh, the run card many, many times. I had to. <laughs> <laughs> and then you had to wait, uh, I don't remember how long to receive the result of, uh, of the computation. And of course, if there was a um, a problem, uh, you would find it out uh, hours later, <laughs> and then you had to fix it and to go back to have your run card destroyed again, mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. So it took days uh, to do something very simple. And the memory, the memory was so limited. Uh, we used to 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 code to use uh, one index uh, for um, for matrices uh, to to yes. save uh, save memory. Mm. Yeah, 
Do you remember when you had your first paper published in a journal? Oh, yes. It was a... Uh, it appeared in information processing letters. Uh, I think it was in uh, three, maybe. Mm. In the 80s. And uh, it was on the probabilistic analysis uh, of the towers of Hanoi. Wow. Uh, it, uh, this paper with, with a friend uh, who, who then... Uh, uh, did not stay at university. Decided to become a teacher, mm. but uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't remember how we found out the problem. Well, I do remember that we tried to. Well, our first result was uh, the number of moves uh, to solve uh, the classical towers of Hanoi, which was already one a trivial result. <laughs> second, well known, so it was not very important <laughs> as a result. And then, and then uh, we we, uh, we had the idea of uh, starting from an illegal configuration of uh, of uh, the towers of an oil game, uh, and then and then uh, to compute uh, uh, the number of moves uh, to 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 reach uh, the the final uh, solution, and uh, we also did uh, this probabilistic analysis, which was uh, which was nice. Mm. So it was a nice paper, I think. And. How was the process of submitting the paper, reviewing, yes, revising well, in that case? Yeah, everything was so new, and uh, uh, and of course we received reports, um, and uh, we, we we reviewed the paper by ourselves, myself and my friend. Mm -hmm. I remember when I had uh, the report of the published paper, I went home. And I showed so proudly to my mom. Uh. And she, what's that? <laughs> she was not excited at all. Yeah. I was so frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, so, but it's uh, it was a sort of a painful process. You right? to to you have to wait longer, I believe, and uh, to get the reports. Well, everything, everything everything worked by snail mail, so. You had, but also, also, I think even more painful was to um, to get the papers related to your research. Oh yeah, because uh, because I had to send letters to the authors if uh, the papers were not in the library. Uh, you had to write to the authors, uh, praying them, please uh, send me your paper. I want to read it. Um, so that was very, very difficult. And maybe one paper was so important to you uh, and it was not in the library and the author did not send you the paper. And, and of course you send the letter and then it takes weeks for the letter to arrive. And then when can you expect the paper to arrive after months? And then it doesn't arrive. So what do you do? So the time, uh, span for all actions was so long. Same for the papers, of course, because you have to um, to put the paper into an envelope and send it and wait for the report and, uh, and so on yeah. and so forth. Yeah. So, long processes. I think the frustration now is when you send an email to an author asking for the instances or detailed results and you never hear anything from them. <laughs> Yeah, it's, that's not rare, at least to in my case, uh, it happens often. Uh, I don't know why, but 
you know. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, so you had to you had time to do research when you were in Milan. Oh yes, oh, yes, uh, I had a lot of time for research. Uh, I think uh, I always had. Uh, this is something very good about Italy. The teaching load uh, has never been very high. Only recently it has increased a bit, but uh, we always had a lot of time to, to do research. And uh, I did research on uh, Markov chains uh, um, to model the uh, queuing processes uh, of the cars at traffic lights. Wow. Because at that time there was a huge uh, um, project uh, in Italian transportation. And I think that was the origin of, uh, of uh, so much research in Italian transportation problems. Mm -hmm. It was really an important project. Uh, so, um, so I started with, uh, with uh, something from which now I'm quite far. Um, mm. But it, uh, it helped me to, to understand at least the difference between deterministic and stochastic. I quite know well. Yeah, I also started with something different. Uh, I, I did uh, statistics applied to ergonomics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it was good to learn, you know, about uh, regression and stuff that now it's known to be part of machine learning uh, area. But it, it, it's nice. Um, were you always uh, sure that you wanted to do that you wanted to follow academic career? Well, um... I wanted to do research. Uh, I think I wanted a couple of things. Uh, one was to to have uh, to do with math. Second, to to have the freedom to study um, what I liked, mm -hmm. and uh, and um, and to study. I wanted to learn. So I had just an interview in IBM. Uh, and um, they said, uh, we want someone for, for a commercial job. And I said, uh, I want to do research. And that was the end of the interview. It was very short. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I did just, uh, just one. And then, and then uh, I thought, although at, at the time in Italy, the situation was very complicated. The rules were changing, so there was a lot of uncertainty. It was not clear at all when I could really hope to get a position at the university. I decided that uh, that was uh, what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So I went uh, back to the university. So I graduated in 80. So I think uh, in 81, I was at the university. I started uh, working there and um, to earn some money. Uh, I have been teaching in schools in high school. Um, high school mm -hmm. um, to to just to not to be a burden on the family, mm -hmm. uh, and then in '83 I became I became assistant professor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, but I, uh, did you do any consultancy thing or any? Uh, were you officially employed in a company uh, or during this per period in the early uh, or mid '80s, or you stayed in academia? Uh, always. So well, um, so I became I became assistant professor in '83, and um, and uh, maybe uh, I don't know if it happens to everyone, but you have uh, uh, an ideal um, plan in mind. 
So you have, uh, you imagine that the world will be of a certain kind, right? Mm -hmm. That you do research and you achieve fantastic results and you contribute to the world uh, to make the world better and uh, you become famous and, uh, and nothing was happening in the first couple of years, obviously. <laughs> uh, but I was not happy. I was not happy by, by how things were developed, uh, were, were going on. So at some point I thought maybe I was too fast with this interview with IBM. I should try to explore uh, the world outside academia a bit more. Mm. So I joined a consultancy company for a year. Mm. And, uh, and after this year, I realized uh, that uh, if uh, the situation at university was not perfect, the situation in this consultancy company was much worse. So I decided uh, I would uh, work to do things at university better, to make things better. So mm -hmm. I wanted to prove what I was doing and I decided to work hard to, to achieve something. Yeah, but uh, you didn't stay there for a long time uh, in Milan, right? Yeah, because at that time uh, the competitions uh, were organized at the national level. So you couldn't apply to the University of Milan. Uh, so every four years, um, on average, there was this huge national competition. And uh, so there were a certain number of positions for assistant professor or associate professor or full professor in Italy in operations research. And uh, you would apply and there were hundreds of candidates and uh, only a number of winners equal to the number of open positions. Mm. And then there was a not an ex post assignment process. And uh, the, there was a position in Milan, one in Udine, one in Palermo, one in Bari, one in Rome. And, uh, and then you applied to the places where you wanted to be. But the places, uh, the universities received a number of applications and they had uh, the possibility to choose among the applicants. Uh, uh, and so I ended up in Udin. Uh, so I applied in 87, I became an associate professor mm. in uh, the computer science uh, department. Mm -hmm. uh, you continue working with uh, Markov chains and things like that, or you switch topics uh, when you, after joining Udine? Well, in Udine, in Udine, I remember since Paolo Serafini was there and he was already teaching um, programming and uh, combinatorial optimization and so on, I had to teach queuing theory. <laughs> so I, I learned queuing theory and I gave a nice course on data, uh, on queuing theory and um, networks, uh, um, the data, the, the, the flows of the, of the data in, uh, in um, in data networks mm. um, and uh, but yes uh, with Paolo I started working on scheduling problems um, and uh, and uh, since uh, I had the first uh, conference uh, of my life that very important conference in there on scheduling I had scheduling already in my heart mm -hmm. so when Paolo um, suggested to, to, to work on a scheduling problem for a textile for an application in a textile company, uh, I was very happy to, to work on scheduling. So there I started working on scheduling. And also I started working on uh, uh, the trade-off between inventory costs 
and uh, transportation course with uh, with Walter Rukovic uh, from the University of Trieste. Ah. Uh, project with IBM, and uh, that was uh, so. In Ultima, I started uh, both of the scheduling uh, stream of of research, mm -hmm. and also the yeah the first uh, the first uh, um, sort of uh, work on uh, on uh, not really routing because at that time. Uh, it, it, there was one origin, one, one destination, so we had to find the, the, the trade-off between inventory costs and transportation costs, so there was no route, but mm -hmm. um, the origin of, uh, of the work that followed. Yeah, it's, where, it's when that you started working with comparative analysis for online scheduling, was at that time? It came a bit after, a bit after, uh, mm -hmm. when I was already in Brescia. Okay. Uh, I attended the conference uh, on scheduling problems, uh, and um, and uh, I was fascinated uh, by the elegance of the results on competitive analysis uh, of online online problems, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, the beauty, the beauty, because in in uh, inside I'm still a mathematician, mm -hmm. so I love beauty. Um, <laughs> But at the same time, uh, I'm attracted by applications. So I'm always in between these two worlds, you know, the mm -hmm. dirty world of applications and the elegance and beauty of uh, pure math. Yeah, nice analogy. Uh, you even created a uh, MAPS conference, correct? The first edition was you that organized. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so you took yeah. scheduling really seriously. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was really an exciting. Um, an exciting um, event. Um, there, there was this beautiful villa, Villa Vigoni, on the Lake of Como. Mm -hmm. Beautiful park, uh, and um, it was uh, um, owned by a foundation, which uh, uh, had the aim of connecting Italy and Germany. Mm. So um, uh, I knew at that time Rolf Möhring and Franz Josef Radermacher, mm -hmm. uh, and we decided to organize this conference in, uh, in uh, Villa Viconi on the Lake of Como on uh, models and algorithms for planning and scheduling problems. Mm -hmm. And I remember I, I found this expression, which is really long. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted the planning because I thought scheduling is too narrow, mm -hmm. so planning is a bit broader mm -hmm. and um and there were again very good names uh, of uh, of researchers uh, in uh, mac pinedo was there wow. and um yeah many many good names yeah it was exciting so while you were uh in udine uh living i mean working there it was late 80s you you visited brazil at that time right Brazil is in my heart. Brazil is my first big trip. It was it was not a holiday. It was an adventure <laughs> because Brazil is so rich. You have everything in Brazil. You have the culture. You have the sea. You have the forest. You have the wildlife. Uh, you have people so different. Uh, uh, and uh, and uh, we traveled a lot. I think we spent more than one month in Brazil uh -huh. with the. Uh, friends mm -hmm. and uh, we were in Brasilia and uh, in Rio and Sao Paulo and uh, Manaus and Fortaleza and um, wow you've been Fort all over pa the place Fortiguasu oh the Pantanal wow. what I loved uh, maybe more than anything else 
the Pantanal and the wildlife. Uh, it's so beautiful. And on the way between, I don't remember, we were supposed to fly to the Pantanal. Uh -huh. And uh, the flight was cancelled okay. because of wind. So we took uh, a car together with a couple of other people with a driver because we didn't trust to drive, sure. you know, to the Pantanal for hours. Along the way, the driver just forgot to refuel. So we stopped in the middle of nowhere with the car and, uh, and, uh, and we didn't know what to do. <laughs> so we took the driver, we paid for the driver to be safe and we were there and there were snakes around, you know, animals. Mm -hmm. And um, and at some point a truck passed by. There was no traffic. There was n nothing. Mm -hmm. And with a rope, he sort of uh, um, rescued you. Rescued you guys. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. it's wonderful it story. Yeah. No, but Brazil is really an amazing, uh, beautiful, beautiful country. I think you once told me you made a stop over in João Pessoa. Yes, because <laughs> the plane flying from uh, Rio mm -hmm. to Fortaleza uh -huh. uh, did a number of stops yeah. and you stayed on, on the plane, but uh, I remember, I remember. Yeah, that was very common uh, during the 80s uh, and 90s. We, we used to call this type of flights pinga-pinga, so it's dropping, dropping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's wonderful to, to, to know that you have great memories of, of Brazil. But uh, moving to the 90s, you, you joined uh, the university in, uh, in Brescia. So uh, what were the challenges this time? <laughs> well, yes, um, you know, Udine, Udine is quite far from, from uh, where, where uh, where I used to live and uh, where where uh, my husband was, uh, I commuted to, to Udine regularly and I spent a few days a week there in a hotel. And um, and so I tried to, to get closer to, to Bergamo. To, to and um, so the first position uh, that I could find was, was in Brescia. So I moved as associate professor to Brescia. To economics and faculty, to economics and business uh, faculty, mm. which was quite far from uh, the science uh, uh, where I had been until that time. I had been in math, computer science. Um, I knew the engineering world, but economics and business is so formal. So, no smile, mm, not really friendly environment. Oh. And uh, when I told to my colleagues uh, that I was in OR, they were sort of, what? So they didn't even know what it was. Uh, they were not interested in production. They, was not, they were not interested in scheduling. There was not a journal in the library about OR. So it was really starting from scratch. There was really nothing in yeah, Brescia. You had to build the, all the, the way and pave the way and... Uh, define the building blocks of OR there. Quite of a yeah, challenge. It took, it took a few years, <laughs> and uh, and uh, and uh, I had to find a way to do that because I didn't I didn't understand at that time the processes that could lead 
to to have a group to have PhD students uh, mm -hmm. to have uh, colleagues working uh, with me uh, on the problems I was interested in um, so and uh, probably that that is also the reason why I became dean because uh, I started to be involved I, I needed to be involved mm -hmm. in the processes because otherwise I was uh, just uh, one of many mm. without any influence without uh, any power and uh, I couldn't uh, I couldn't uh, achieve uh, anything so I started trying to understand how things were working helping my colleagues uh, in different committees and so on and so forth mm -hmm. so um, after a few years uh, things uh, improved and uh, yeah. I think uh, in, in, in operations research in Brescia now we have a very good group of uh, of uh, colleagues working in, uh, in OR. Excellent. You became a uh, full professor in 1994. Yes. Uh, and uh, I remember uh, when I was working in some portfolio optimization problem, uh, I'm not an expert on that, but uh, once I had this student, Yuri, uh, he, he's fascinated by finance and he's very good in that. So we decided to study uh, one portfolio optimization problem, or in fact, a class of problems. And then when we were doing the literature review and all that, uh, we came across of papers that you were one of the authors. And it didn't happen once or twice. It happened uh, in I mean, a fairly amount of papers we found that you were there. And I was surprised because I, I knew you, of course, from the routing uh, literature and so on. So uh, it, it was really, you know, uh, I felt uh, nice that uh, you also had a step in that uh, field. So how did that happen? How did you decide to, to study this type of problems? Well, the reason is that uh, my colleagues uh, uh, sort of uh, were not interested uh, in any of the things I was doing. So I needed to do something they were interested in. I, I needed a common language. And I, well, finance was clearly something they were interested in. So I tried to, to I went to, into, into the journals uh, that I knew, management science, mm -hmm. um, and uh, tried to find whether there was something with uh, any connection with finance. And it is not easy to find in our journals uh, um, uh, papers connected to finance. So I found this paper by Conan Yamazaki on uh, mean absolute deviation, mm -hmm. uh, a linear model, linear programming, linear programming, amazing. I knew what it was, it was finance. Mm -hmm. They were talking about securities, stocks, optimization. Okay, I want to work there. So this is my starting point. What can I do here? And then I, then I had a series of papers. The first paper was uh, the mean absolute deviation uh, uh, so you have scenarios uh, where you measure the return of the securities and, uh, and uh, the mean absolute deviation is a way to measure the volatility of uh, the returns uh, of the securities. And uh, you measure as risk the um, being above the average and being below the average return of the portfolio. So why is it a risk to be above the average return? You are you're quite happy if you are above. So the risk should be just below the average. Downside risk, that's an idea. And then, and then uh, a student of mine implemented the model 
with the mean absolute deviation and implemented the model with the downside deviation, which I was so proud of. Mm -hmm. And the portfolio was identical. Oh. How is that possible? And in fact, it's a matter of one line of proof. Now, <laughs> now that I know, it's only one line, um, they, they are really equivalent. Uh, um, the, the mean absolute deviation, by definition of mean, is twice the downside. The downside deviation is equal mm -hmm. to the upside deviation. So, oh, okay. But I, I had this paper published uh, in, an, uh, in an unknown journal, Finance, uh, I think this journal has uh, no ISI and number, it doesn't exist. But this paper has a huge number of citations. <laughs> it, it's amazing. It's, it's one of my most cited papers. And I never promoted uh, my research in, uh, in, uh, in finance. And this is something I tell often the students uh, uh, not to be afraid of attacking fields uh, where there is nothing. It is more difficult. Uh, I remember it was very difficult for me to publish the papers in, uh, uh, on optimization applied to portfolio selection. Uh, so, um, because then uh, I had a series of papers uh, um, where I introduced uh, uh, integer and binary variables, uh, because if you have transaction costs, transaction lots, uh, if you want to control the number of the securities in the portfolio, you need integer variables. Mm -hmm. And then you have, of course, uh, mi mixed integer programs and you, you have all the, the our tools uh, to, to, to implement. And it was difficult to, to publish these papers because finance papers, uh, finance journals uh, replied, uh, we are not interested, this is not finance. And the, uh, the journals in OR said, we are not interested in this problem and in any case, the techniques, the techniques are trivial. Mm. So, Welcome uh, we to the in interdisciplinary world. <laughs> Welcome to the interdisciplinary world. Where you have exactly, to... exactly. But if you look at my papers, although I almost never presented uh, the papers in portfolio optimization, very rarely, and never, almost never attended conferences uh, Mm -hmm. In finance, uh, um, some of my most cited papers uh, are the papers that I struggled to publish. Yeah. Nice. Eventually, you started working on routing, right? Yes. Um, yes. And uh, I started uh, working on uh, routing problems or routing. I don't know. Yeah. Either uh, way. Both. <laughs> Um, with, uh, with uh, two former students of mine who are now colleagues in my department. Mm -hmm. The first paper in, uh, in routing was uh, with uh, Enrico Angelelli ah. uh, on periodic, a periodic vector routing problem. And uh, um, it started from an application on waste collection. And, um, and uh, there were uh, the, the, the uh, the vehicle in charge of the waste collection uh, uh, could uh, go to a landfill uh, and uh, uh, go back uh, and collect waste again before returning to the table. So uh, we, 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 we had in the title these intermediate facilities. And this is also a very well cited paper mm -hmm. because, uh, because, uh, because of these additional facilities. Uh, uh, we, don't only, we didn't only have uh, initial and uh, uh, final um, 
uh, nodes for the roof, but we had these intermediate facilities. And the second paper is instead with Luca Bertazzi, again, a former student of mine who is now a colleague, he's school professor in my department, um, on inventory routing, mm -hmm. which, which is really um, a follow-up somehow, or better a sequel, I don't know how to call it, mm -hmm. of the research that I started, uh, I started in Udine, mm -hmm. uh, coming from that project with IBM, aimed at balancing mm -hmm. the inventory cost and the, and the transportation cost. We then uh, expanded the, the research, so we, had, uh, we studied the chain, first one origin, one destination, then a chain of links, and then, of course, uh, a more complex network. And, um, and then uh, in, in uh, the paper with Enrico, uh, was published in transportation, no, in Niger, in Niger, mm -hmm. and the one, the one with, uh, with Luca on transportation science in, uh, in uh, 2003. So those two papers mm -hmm. uh, were my first papers in uh, routing. I think around that time, you also started a very successful partnership with someone that I think you know pretty well, who I'm talking about. You're talking about Claudia, I guess. Sure, of course. <laughs> Claudia, Claudia um, was, uh, so I was really, although I was in a business, I was teaching in a business, uh, um, economics and business uh, uh, department uh, where um, the majority of the students are not really interested in the quantitative uh, um, um, disciplines uh, like OR or similar. Uh, I was lucky enough to, 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 to get in touch with some brilliant students. Uh, Luca is one and uh, Enrico is another. And then Cloud arrived a few years after. And um, at the end of one lecture, she approached me and um, she asked me a question. And the question was clever. You know, you identify immediately whether the question is silly and you say, okay, mm -hmm. let me answer, but the question was clever. So I said, this girl, I, I have to keep an eye on her. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then, so I answered the question, but that, that was the end. And um, after some time, she, she came to the office hours and she asked me to, to give her a title and this, a topic for um, the essay or the dissertation that was required to to graduate, and um, and uh, I gave her uh, a number of possibilities. Uh, so um, doing this, doing that, uh, coding an algorithm, uh, and she said, "I'm not interested in uh, programming. I, I don't like coding. Really? I prefer to to do something methodological." I said, uh, "In my in my mind, I thought I want to capture this girl." Let's see, let's give her time to think about uh, things. And I told her, fine, no problem. I have the subject for you. And two months after she was coding. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. never, I, I asked her permission to tell you this story. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> yeah, you, you end up doing uh, fantastic work together. Uh, I, I came across your work uh, on split delivery uh, at some point. In fact, uh, as uh, you were mentioning about the conference of that you saw many giants, I also had this opportunity 10 years ago in a routing conference. And uh, I was presenting uh, this work and uh, I, after I finished, 
I had three questions by two Italian giants or legends, if you will. The first one was from Professor Paulo Todd. <laughs> uh, and which, by the way, uh, at the end of the presentation, he asked me uh, if I could share the slides. He came very, you know, very kindly and with this with a pen drive. And my jaw was like, oh, my God, <laughs> he's interested in what I'm doing. And then the other two questions was uh, they were made by you. Uh, and I remember clearly the second question is you asked if it was hard to tune the parameters of the algorithm because it was a sort of a generic algorithm that tackled many variants. And I knew your work and when you took real interest and the way you asked the question, I could see uh, uh, genuine uh, in interest in, in to know about the work. And I, I was so flattered and, you know, I, I felt so nice and never forget. <laughs> uh, that experience, it had a lot of impact on me. It was great. Uh, uh, so I think many people will agree with me that you, you have this uh, really kind way and very protective with uh, your students and the people you, you, you know and, and work with. Uh, even Jean-Francois Coté was telling the other day here uh, that he spent some time with you. I, I assume he, must, he gave a lot of trouble. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, so... This, this I cannot. I cannot. I cannot reveal a number of uh, things about John. John uh. <laughs> I was. I was. I really. I was uh, a good. Uh, a good um, consultant to him. <laughs> a good advisor. Not about science. Yeah, I can imagine. And uh, at some point, as you mentioned, uh, especially in a university, to make the difference, you decided to. Uh, work with the administrative part, you became a dean. You, you mentioned uh, the motivation and the experience you had, uh, but also you became president of several important societies, international societies. Uh, can you tell me more about that? Yes, uh, with pleasure. Being dean uh, um, is a position of power. Uh, but it's also very stressful because uh, um, you you are responsible for all that does not work well, and you never receive uh, any um, acknowledgement uh, uh, for what you do that is good, and also you have to handle a number of conflicts because um, because uh, each of us believes that uh, what we do is the most important thing in the world. And since you have uh, limited resources, limited financial resources, limited positions, you always end up uh, with conflicts. And so um, that was the kind of experience. I was very happy to, to have done it. Um, I think I learned a lot, especially in terms of how processes work. Um, but I have to say that um, working for the scientific associations is more rewarding. Because uh, the, um, the kind of work is collaborative and all aim to do the good of operations research. So it is really working together to achieve something good. And that is really very, very pleasant, uh, very enjoyable, very rewarding. I have met um, amazing colleagues uh, coming from all over the world, especially in IFORS because um, we have uh, representatives uh, of uh, uh, APORS, Asia, uh, of uh, South America, Latin America, from North America, from Europe, 
So Sumiti from Nepal, uh, Zorzian from uh, from India. Uh, yeah. yeah. uh, so I really enjoyed uh, these experiences uh, with uh, with journals, and also also uh, with journals with uh, with uh, the scientific societies, uh, um, and also uh, to me it has been a way to 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 contribute to to the life uh, of our community. Uh, so it is not uh, sort of um, very strongly connected with research, but it's very close to, because I mean, founding journals, uh, something I really believe uh, being important for the Euro community, and I try to 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 do what what was good for for that community. So my my uh, sort of attitude. Uh, uh, in in uh, the societies uh, has been uh, to work together as a group uh, with uh, with uh, as a team to to do something good for for the community we were representing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you've been recognized as one of the most important uh, women in STEM in Italy. Um, we are in a field, especially OR, uh, which is dominated by men in general. Um, can you comment on any type of experience you had to really, you know, uh, be assertive or to impose yourself to earn respect or to make uh, some progress in something that you really believed on? Um, I think uh, I think uh, that uh, um, identified uh, the the um, how to say the gender issues uh, uh, in two parts. Part one is when you do not have uh, um, leadership positions. So when you are a professor or assistant professor or a student and so on, so you have to do the job. And uh, we are measured in terms of uh, what we do. And uh, well, nowadays I think there is more attention towards uh, respecting both genders. Um, in the old days, uh, probably there was less, but I was younger and probably I didn't even realize it. So I didn't expect to be invited to be a speaker um, because I did not believe uh, it was really something that I would deserve. Um, so I will never, I will never know. Uh, I mean, in my forties or so, whether I was not invited because I was a woman or because uh, I was not good enough. Um, but uh, but uh, but there, the challenge for women is to um, to uh, to do the job, uh, and for the men, it is to be fair. Um, and to look at both genders in the same way. When you become a, a leader of some kind, when I became a dean, then I realized uh, the challenges because it is difficult in a male-dominated environment to have a woman voice heard. Uh, and uh, all the other deans uh, were males, uh, uh, the director was a male, uh, the heads of the department uh, were males, uh, the, the mayor of the city, um, all, all the authorities. 
So and then and then you feel you feel uh, being uh, being uh, the only woman is is not is not simple. So you have to manage somehow, and uh, you learn through experience. And I think um, women should be aware that it is not their fault if their voice sometimes is not heard as the voice of the males. It is due to the fact that they are a minority in many in many kind of contexts. Mm-hmm. I see. Uh, since we are approaching Mother's Day, <laughs> uh, I think uh, would you like to share the experience of maternity and the magic you did to keep up with this fantastic work uh, throughout the years. Uh, so how did you do it? I think we should ask my daughters, <laughs> um, especially especially the second one has a very good sense of humor. So I, I'm pretty sure she would, uh, she would say something funny. Um, so, well, I tried to to, to handle what I call dynamic priorities. So, um, uh, so one day the job is the maximum priority and then, and then uh, you cannot uh, spend time with the, with the family. And another day, I don't know, it's a birthday or there is something at school or a daughter has some problems. Uh, and then the priority is the girl. And sometimes, uh, very rarely, the priority is the husband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my wife will agree with you. But <laughs> so, and of course, and of course, you have also to to I had to um, to, to sometimes uh, um, not pay attention to details. So I never, I don't know, I always had a cleaner, and I never argued with the cleaner about what was well done or what was not well done. I didn't care. I did not have time to, to, to have any discussion about <laughs> about what to do she was and has always been free to organize things as she wanted. Mm. And um, I don't know, my, my girls, uh, when, when now they look at the pictures uh, of uh, when they were uh, small, they say, look at our clothes and the dresses, they were ugly. I did not have much time to, 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 to go around and do the shopping for, for nice dresses. So, so but, but they, are, they, are, they, they seem to be happy now. They are good people. They, are, they have a job. They have a partner. Mm-hmm. We have a wonderful relationship. So mm-hmm. I think uh, I didn't do a too bad job there. Yeah, amazing. Uh, you, you actually gave a talk uh, last year on our online Brazilian Hour Conference, which was supposed to be held in João Pessoa, and you talk about uh, the, the women in OR, so it was an excellent talk. I, 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 I was very happy to, to, to be there and, and watch. Uh, do you have any advice for young ladies, uh, you know, or those that are thinking of uh, become a parent uh, anytime soon, and how to balance, you know, those decisions when um, considering family and work. I think uh, I think uh, my first uh, advice, I don't know, may have, maybe I have several, um, is to not to give up what they love, and uh, it is not true that. Uh, um, 
that uh, the family uh, requires, uh, not only it is not true that it requires our full attention and time, it doesn't uh, even require uh, 100% 50% or 20%. Uh, it is important to, 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 to give quality time to, to the family. And, um, and the other thing that I, I shared with my husband uh, from the very beginning, much before we had the child, was uh, we have to share. We have to share everything. So if I take care of the of the girls uh, uh, because uh, they are too small and they need the mother more than the father, you will do something different. You will cook. You will clean. You you will do something different. The, time that we spend at home should be balanced mm -hmm. so that uh, so that I have uh, enough time to, to work and uh, I think this is also very important so my advice is to 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 pursue pursue your, your career to believe in yourself um, and uh, and to share to find the, the partner that uh, with whom you can really share the life, all the aspects of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember you once told me also that you were working, uh, you know, you have the computer there, but you have your kid, very small kid next to it, and you were kind of uh, on a multitasking, multitasking mode, uh, right? Yes, yes. Well, I was forced to be at home for four months, one month before, um, the, the, the date uh, of the birth and uh, three months after. Mm -hmm. But, uh, well, I'm not very patient and I get bored very easily. So, um, and also I was determined uh, not to have a gap in my career. So I did not want to uh, lose the contacts, even even mm -hmm. though only for a few months. So, um, uh, uh, I had the mail already, I had the computer at home, so I, I worked and sometimes I had my small daughter, one month or so old, on the desk while I was <laughs> typing the mail. Yeah. <laughs> I have this image in mind. I don't know if I told my daughter, I should tell her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, excellent. Uh, Grazie. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Uh, it was wonderful to hear your memories, your stories, and your views on different uh, aspects of OR and also the academic career. Uh, I had a blast. Thank you so much. Grazie mille. Thank you. Thank you. Grazie mille. It has been great to get to know you. Although we had met uh, in uh, at the root conference uh, uh -huh. uh, through interview, I got uh, the opportunity to, to know you a bit better. And you're doing a great thing, and I'm very proud to, to have been part of this. Uh, thank you very much for your kind words. Uh, uh, it really means a lot to me. So I hope to see you soon. Uh, you're, of course, welcome to visit us here. And uh, let's see if this situation you're experiencing improves soon. Okay. I really hope so. And uh, yeah, next time I will stop in uh, Joppe. So. Ah, excellent. Ciao. Ciao. Bye. Ciao. Ciao.